0: Good morning, or good evening, depending on where you're listening to this right now. I'm pulling an episode out of the archive this week as I move from Italy to Spain. Two years ago, I met Morgan J. Ingram at SalesLoft's Rainmaker Conference in Atlanta. At the time, he had just got promoted to SDR manager at Terminus. In this conversation, Morgan talks through the things that have made him successful in cold calling and how he's able to break the pattern of what prospects are used to. He also outlines how he's able to not take no for an answer, describing that while it sounds simple, it is certainly not easy. Take a listen and let me know how this one holds up.
1: I was never afraid of the pushback and I was never afraid to challenge. So as I'm coaching people, as I'm a manager now, they are afraid to push back or they just, once they hear one no, they're done. And you have to be able to push back on that or you're not gonna be successful.
0: This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from one million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Sooners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Anais Nin, who said life shrinks and expands in proportion to one's courage. After having Tony Bennett on the show back in episode 10, today's guest, Morgan J. Ingram, reached out to me and have followed his work ever since. A few weeks ago, I actually got to meet him in person at Sales Loft's Rainmaker event down in Atlanta, and I must say, his personality online is the exact same offline. And what I mean is, this guy is on fire. He cold called his way into his first job out of college, having no background in sales, marketing, or even technology but that relentless don't take no for an answer approach has served him well over the last year and ultimately got him promoted to where he now leads a team of SDRs at Terminus. Make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com/29. But now, let's get to the conversation where Morgan talks about his love for strategy games and how it bleeds over into his professional life.
1: Yeah, so my, my game today is Civilization um, it's a, like a strategy game. So civilization six civilization five, um, it's just like strategy game, like building stuff up. That's, I always love strategy. Um, cause my favorite game, the board game that plays chess. So I'm a huge strategy person. So those games appeal to me.
0: Right on. There we go. There we go. So, you know, before we even get started here, tell me about terminus. What, what is that? And, and what's your role there today? What are you trying to get accomplished?
1: Awesome. So uh, as most people try to think we are not, um, from the walking dead, we're not trying to eat you, we're not trying to kill you. <laughs> um, but, but what we do here at Terminus is uh, we have a B2B um, account-based marketing platform that allows you to get in front of the key stakeholders wherever they go online with display advertisements. So in, in regards, we help you with your sales cycle, accelerate pipeline, increase revenue. Um, if you have SDR team, help them uh, generate demo flow by providing air cover for marketing. So we help B2B marketers be superheroes and um, be, have a seat at the table um, for generating revenue for their company,
0: we help B two B marketers be superheroes. I don't think it could be stated any better than that. That's awesome. <laughs> now, Morgan, typically I ask my guests, you know, how they got into sales, but for you, that was last year. Uh, and when I was down in Atlanta, you told me that uh, you you only did it after you decided you didn't want to be a sports agent. So tell me how this came to be.
1: Yeah, so it, it's a it's a crazy story. Um, I've only been in this. I've only been in sales for a year. I've only been in tech for a year uh graduated from the University of Georgia in 2015 and uh you know as 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 you kind of stated there Jim I uh graduated with a sports management and a finance dub, uh, double major so I thought hey you know if I have these majors I could be a sports agent um they told me how to go to law school and you know I kind of shook my head and I was like that's not happening so you know I tried to figure out you know what I want to do in my life I uh in shortest terms I started a company in spring semester hosted video game tournaments Um, it led to me connecting with a lot of like-minded people when I connected with those like-minded people, they led me towards Atlanta tech village, an individual called Jeff, uh, introduced me to terminus. I ended up cold calling Tony Bennett, who's the VP of sales here. She's been on sales tuners and I, um, yeah. And then she, you know, they gave me the opportunity. I had the interview. They were really impressed. And then I was, you know, implemented into a sales development role and kind of really back on that. I knew. Um, You know, I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like fired up and be like, oh, I'm in sales. I was more so like, you know, I want this opportunity to prove that I know that I know what I'm doing and also to break into an industry that I was fascinated with and I wanted to learn more about. So I knew the only way that could happen is if I took the SDR role and, you know, I just took it with stride and learned everything possible. So that was kind of my uh, why I chose sales and, you know, why I'm here today.
0: Now, but, but you didn't, not only did you not know anything about sales, you didn't know anything about this industry. You didn't know anything about uh, marketing, uh, technology, anything along those lines. So how in the world did you convince them to hire you?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, as Jim was saying, so I wrote an article about this. No, I didn't know about a CRM, marketing automation, technology, um, marketing strategy, account-based marketing, um, no sales experience, no quarter-carrying role, straight out of college. The biggest thing I think that convinced them was my energy um they just it was the energy it was you know I knew how to handle myself I knew how to talk I had just personally developed myself to a very high degree I read a lot of books before I even got to this moment so you know I knew what I was talking about um I'm always eager to learn so you know they they knew that they could take that and basically teach me what to do and so that's basically why they took a the chance on me they just kind of were like you know he has the energy he has the passion you know, he has the mindset. Now it's just like, can we teach him the skills? Yes. And so that's kind of what made me over, you know, other people who had experience.
0: Well, I think they chose right. You know, I, I meet a lot of salespeople. And every once in a while, you come across one, you're like, wow, this guy has it. And Morgan, I, I seriously believe that that's you. So kudos to you on, uh, on that. And kudos to Tony and them for taking the chance on you. I think they're gonna, you're gonna prove them right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I read another article that you talked about where you said everyone, should start their career as an SDR. And, and, and while I don't necessarily disagree with you, I wanted to hear your rationale or, or you know,
1: thought behind that. The biggest thing is, you know, when I looked at, when I read this article, you know, when I read it over, when I wrote it, the biggest thing was like, you know, I want to let everyone know that I think the SDR role in itself plays huge dividends in the long run. And it may be crazy me, me saying, hey, everybody, but I think the reason that I, it kind of needs to be stated that way is because I believe if you can get through the SDR role, it prepares you for any role, whether it be CEO, CMO, um, VP of marketing, like account executive leadership, it's going to prepare you because the mental toughness that you go through through this role is, is bar none. it's not even, I don't think it's even close to most roles. Like, you know, every single day you come into the job of an SDR role, knowing that you're going to get rejected. And you're not going to get a lot of praise. And, you know, you're calling into new people every single day. You know, you're no one knows who you are. You know, you're just cold calling someone and actually taking time out of their day. So I think the skill sets that you learn in an SDR role are just it just prepares you for anything. Um, You know, I feel like, you know, I could pick up the phone at any time and make a cold call. I don't have any hesitation about it. Uh, My persuasion ability skills are up. Um, You know, I'm very confident now because I can, you know, articulate message. My business acumen is up because I'm on the front lines every single day talking about an industry Um, makes you actually an expert at the end of the day because you're talking to those people. So I think the SCR role is a perfect place to start if you're just like, hey, I want to learn. I want I'm aggressive. You know, I want to learn as much as possible. I want to be ahead of the curve. I feel like this role in itself is going to allow you to actually do that. Um, and I don't think there's any other entry level role that's going to allow you to have that uh, capability.
0: Yeah. I, after you're giving me that, I, I'm sitting here shaking my head. I completely agree with you. I don't think it's for everyone, but I do think those that are willing to try and those that actually master it, my goodness, they are set up for a career that they yeah. literally can do anything they want.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it. you can literally do anything and I feel like I can do anything. Like I feel like it's... I can do whatever now because I've gone through that that gauntlet. It definitely isn't for everyone because, you know, it is hard. It's not, you know, I always say it, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, it's simple, but it's not easy. You know, it's simple to say, hey, call, email, prospect, LinkedIn, touches, Twitter. That's not, that's kind of simple. But like the actual work and the grind of it all is hard. Like that's tough. So, um, but there's a reason that it is tough because it prepares you for, Whatever you want to do, so I think if you're if you're ready for a challenge, if you want to be great, if you want to be phenomenal, the S yes server is going to set you up for that. And and
0: I love talking to you know AEs who they just want the leads handed to them uh, and they don't expect to have to prospect themselves anymore. And it's like, well. If you ever had to do this on your own, you realize how hard it is to generate your own leads. So you, you couldn't be more right on that one now. So let's talk about that. You have become somewhat of a master, right? At calling strangers out of the blue and getting time on their calendar. What do you think that, that magic has been for you, Morgan?
1: It's a lot of things. So Jim, the, the biggest thing that I always, um, harp on is strengths, like, What are you actually good at? So my thing is that I have a ton of energy, but I also know how to, um, you know, camo the person or basically, you know, mimic them kind of in their voice. So if someone answers the phone and they're excited, I'm going to be just as excited as them. If they answer the phone in a lower tone and a little more serious, I'm going to be lower and serious as them. So I always matched that person's voice as soon as I got on the phone. So then it almost was as if they were talking to themselves and people like hearing themselves talk. So more so they're going to let me talk. So that's what I did that actually worked a lot. I, I don't go in the optics of that that much, but I think that just kind of mimicking that voice helped me out a ton. I also believe what helped me out a lot calling people out the blue is because I knew who I was. I knew what I was going to say when I called them. I think a lot of times people just call and they're like, I hope this person just takes the demo. <laughs> um i you know i hope they're actually in a good mood but i always knew i always had like a snippet of something to give them like hey you know i read your article on account based marketing looks like you're looking into it we're an account based marketing platform just curious to see you know what where you guys are going in with that like what do you what's your priorities on that right or hey i saw a tweet you're talking about doing um outbound marketing strategies have you thought about doing display advertisements and account based marketing as part of your outbound strategy so i always had something to say going on the phone So that it at least provided relevant context and it brought the person a little bit of value so that I could actually dive into it. And I think the third thing is that I wasn't I was never afraid of the pushback um, and I was never afraid to challenge. So a lot of people, you know, as I'm coaching people, as I'm a manager now, they are afraid to push back or they just once they hear one, no, they're done. And you have to be able to push back on that or you're not going to be successful. So. Anytime anyone would tell me no, I would always ask them a follow up question that was a little bit deeper, so that we could have a deeper conversation that would lead to a demo. I never really faltered on anyone. I they had to either like say like Hey, look, like reach back out in a month. I promise I'll answer, or like Hey, I'm not interested. See you later. So I, I
0: want to. I definitely want to dive into all this. I want to unpack that. But so just, uh, but let's take one step back. What does your process look like? How are you reaching out to people? How are you getting uh, uh, into a demo? What's that look like?
1: So. The the basics is like I prospect um, over the weekend. So this is something that actually this is what I do is I prospect over the weekend at the beginning of the month and I fill up my pipeline with a ton of prospects. So I may prospect 200 to 300 people um, and prepare myself for the month. Um, And so what I like calling prospecting is yellow light. So yellow light means that, okay, you're, you're kind of doing your thing, but you're getting ready to go to green. And so that's prospecting for me. Um, and then basically, I fill that all the way up as possible with good accounts that I know that will be looking for account-based marketing, that I know that are looking into the Martech space. And then the next thing that I would do, the process is so. So
0: hold on, real quick. Just what is what does that mean? How do you know that they are potentially going to be looking for your, your solution?
1: Right. So how I know is that basically it's based on titles. So I would go look at you know prime examples, demand generation manager. So I would look under their summary, and if they're like, hey, accelerating pipeline or increasing revenue or outbound marketing strategies, or if their summary just straight up says "interest in account-based marketing, I'm like, all right, this person would benefit from Terminus. Now I just have to show them the value because based on their summary and based on their overview and their KPIs, like obviously they need this tool to because we can do that. So that's how I would figure that out. Um, And then also would look at the website and see kind of what they were running um, display advertisement-wise. And to see who they're reaching out to customers wise if it's big if it's a big subset of customers then obviously they need terminus to get into those accounts because they're probably not being effective right now um, and they can't do leads forever got it so so now now you've got this list of 200 to 300 people at the beginning of the month uh,
0: you, you have filled the pipeline from that aspect so now you're gonna start your your outreach go keep
1: going right so now the biggest thing for me is I had a schedule so I'll just break it down 830 to 10 o'clock was calls um and then 10 to 11 was personalization, 11 was my break time, 11.30 to 12 was like hit list, people that just haven't got back to me but they're obviously in high interest. 12 to one was lunch, one to two was west coast calls because I'm on the east coast, and then two to three was prospecting, If I, it was an open spot if I needed to prospect more, if I wanted to double down and really hit my number to accelerate. Um, three o'clock was break, 3.30 to 4.30 was calls, 4.30 I would head back home because Atlanta has horrible traffic, <laughs> and then I would get back home and do more calls for West Coast till about 5.30. So that was my day, and I stuck with that process every single day, ever since I made it the fourth month in, because I knew I needed a schedule. So then that's when everything changed for me, um, and so it allowed me to do what I needed to do. So all those social touches, everything, the double touches, everything that was in their personalization, were within my process, so I could hyper-focus on those things. I think the biggest problem in this role today is that people don't have a schedule, they're not organized. And they're just doing willy nilly stuff. If you do willy nilly activities, you're going to get willy nilly results. They're not going to be organized. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, I, I'm going to take this a couple
0: different ways. I definitely want to get into uh, your cold calling, because you know, even just some of the the role playing back and forth we were doing in Atlanta, I was fascinated by some of the stuff you were doing. But uh, talk to me about this time blocking thing. Why was that so powerful for you? It's,
1: it's huge. I think it's almost like, you know, If you play sports for people who are are hearing and if you play sports and you have a schedule, right? Let's say like every single week, every single day, your basketball schedule changed, your baseball schedule changed. It's like, oh, yeah, we have practice at 530. Oh, tomorrow we actually have practice at seven. And then next day we practice at six. You're not going to be focused as much as you would if it was just one consistent theme. So I was reading multiple articles because I always thought multitasking was the way to go. But I realized that multitasking is not the way to go. Um, so having a disorganized schedule, what I talked about the sports and then also multitasking, which is not good when you're trying to study for multiple things are not good factors. However, when you actually hyper-focus into one thing and lock in, you can actually do better. So the thing I started doing that became just process and methodical was I would actually call demand generation managers in computer software and call them all at once within 30 minutes or an Mm. hour. So all my only talk track and my only mindset was demand generation manager. There was no separation. So it became subconscious when I was during that hour or hour and a half or two hours. I was only calling them. So that way my talk track was just on point.
0: Yeah, that that way you're not having to completely change context right in the middle of an hour.
1: Okay, all right. Exactly. So that was one of the things that I did. And I just saw major success because I could just I was just knocking them out. I didn't have to look because it was like I already know what to say to these people based on the KPIs that I know and based on my research. So those are those are a couple of things that I did to make sure that I was locked in. But if you ever schedule that's if you have a schedule like you're going to be more locked in, like you're not going to be like, oh, if someone's like, hey, you want to come do this? You're going to be like, yeah. But if you have a schedule, you're like, no, I can't do that. With Ten to eleven. I got to do personalization. You're not going to just get up and do whatever because you have a schedule. And if you have that, you're going to get results.
0: That's powerful. That, I, I like that a lot. So I, I have found I've done time blocking for quite a while, uh, Morgan. I think one of the things it does for me is just it also balances my energy level, right? Like I know when I'm going to get my break. I know when I'm going to have to do this. So I'm going to ramp up my energy to get to this certain thing. And it just allows me to, to better manage that throughout the day. Is, that, is it true for you as well?
1: Yeah, 100%. It, it allowed me to manage my day. It allowed me to stay really organized. It's, it allowed me to stay focused. Um, you know, the, one of the things I I do sometimes is I lose focus if it, if nothing's like really on a schedule. So I, I I realized that. And so, you know, it's in your head that, Hey, I want to make 60 calls a day, but like you may not get to it because you just didn't put a schedule for yourself. Um, and I think that the schedule also holds you accountable. Um, it's an accountability that, that helps you also get through the day. Yeah. So let's
0: let's get to these calls, right? So you're making 60 calls a day or, you know, it might've been an arbitrary number you just said, but you're making these calls a day. You said that the thing that has made you different is you knew what you were going to say. Talk to me about that. What does your cold call sound like?
1: Yeah, so uh, you remember in Atlanta, we were talking about this, and so we kind of went crazy on it. But um, one of the things I do is like, you know, I try to go straight into it. So one of the things like I'll do as an entry point is like, hey, um, hey, so and so when they answer the phone or hey, Jim, um, did I catch you at the bad? Did I catch you at a bad time? Or say, hey Jim, you know, what did I catch you in the middle of? Or hey Jim, you know, how do you normally handle how do you normally handle cold calls? I try to at the intro, I just try to throw people off from a normal like, how's your day going or hi, and go straight to the pitch. Um, then after that, and I say, hi Jim, you know, the reason for my call is I, you know, was doing some research on LinkedIn. Um, looks like that you're actually in the account based marketing group, and you posted a couple topics on that. So I was just curious to see if account based marketing is on your radar for your organization. Or is this something you're looking to implement? So then you say, okay, yeah, it is. And then I would bring value on top of that. And then also in every single phone call, um, I'm big on questions. So even if you said like no, I'm not interested, I go, okay, you know, that's great, Jim. You know, is there a reason why you're not interested into it? Da, 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 great. And then you might give me some value on that. You might say, hey, we're actually using marketing automation. And then I say, Great, you know, with marketing automation, you know, we actually complimented it with that with terminus. We can provide an air cover over that. We can also do proactive targeting while you're also doing, um, you know, reactive targeting. So it's the biggest things for me is a strong opening, knowing the context within that, the value. Say, hey, I saw a LinkedIn post. I saw something on Twitter. I saw that you're connected with so-and-so so um, so that you actually show that you did the research and you're not like a a regular, ordinary, average SDR. And then also when you ask questions, listen, and then whatever answers that you get put value on top of that and just don't go into your pitch. It's the number one thing that people do is that like they ask questions, they don't really care, they don't listen and then they just provide value that has nothing to do and they gave you the answer. So, you got to listen.
0: Wow. So I'm going to go multiple different places here. Um I love this this concept. What did I catch you in the middle of? And then you gave me a new one today. I you didn't you didn't tell me about this one before is how do you typically handle cold calls? What do people say to that? When, when you ask them that question, what do people say to that?
1: <laughs> they're normally like, I don't really appreciate them. Or they, go, <laughs> or they go, hey, you know, actually, no, they're fine. You know, but people, people like it, it makes you get on a level, level playing field because nobody hears that often. Like, how do you normally handle a cold call? And they're just like, wait, what? <laughs> so like people just laugh sometimes and they're just like, they just laugh. You've immediately
0: taken them out of an intellectual state into an emotional state, right? Laughter is an emotion. That's great.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I try to disarm the prospect as much as possible. Um, and even, this is even a funnier one that I do. Um, you know, I say, um, if someone answers the phone and I say, what did I catch you in the middle of? And they're like, oh, I'm super busy. I don't have time. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. I You know, I just wanted to talk to you. I, uh, are you having a bad day? Like, you know, did I just, what, what's going on? Can I help you? Or I'll be like, Like there's no reason to take you know this bad this uh bad attitude onto me. I haven't done anything. I just wanted to call and ask you some questions, and it completely disarms them because they're like, oh, I'm sorry, like you know, I'm just having like I said, I'm having a really bad day. You know, I'm willing to I'm willing to talk to you for like 22 minutes. Like, what's going on?
0: I I almost put a microphone on on uh, mute because I'm laughing. This is this is awesome. Now you also talked about though one where uh, somebody said, hey, I'm in the middle of a meeting, and you gotta tell me how you replied to that. It was incredible. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so when someone says they're in the middle, I do multiple things. But the biggest one that I do is like, hey, you're in the middle of me. I was like, great. Um, are you with your entire marketing team? And they're like, cool. Yeah. OK, great. Can you put me on speakerphone so I can tell you all guys about account based marketing? Oh my goodness.
0: And but again, all you're doing is you're just disarming them, right? So you are a business professional. You are calling another business professional. You're on the same uh you know level, right? Like you you have equal business stature, you have every right to be talking to them that they do to you, and you just have a conversation with them. At the end of the day, that's what this is about.
1: Exactly. And and there's two things. Number one is that a lot of people just care way too much. Like the the care level. In sales is way too high like I think people just need to understand that like the people that are calling are not going to remember you they're not going to be like oh Sally called me today and like I'm gonna find her on LinkedIn and blow her up like it's probably not going to happen so it's like if you challenge I think people respect the challenge as long as it's professional you don't like call them out try to curse them out or anything but as long as it's professional yeah that's great and I think number two is that people are just afraid to actually step up and be and have self-confidence I'm in mean, what they're saying. I just, I just have a lot of self-confidence. In what I'm saying, and I simply just don't really care, you know, at all. So, yeah. you know, I just, I just don't have a lot of care to it because, like, I don't know this person, um, and I'm just trying to prevent, value. But I'm also going to call you out respectfully on stuff that isn't just ha- that isn't happening because most of the time when people say they're in a meeting, they're not in a meeting.
0: Yeah, I, one of the things you said too in Atlanta was, uh, "No, you're not. If you are." You are one of the most rudest people I've ever met in my life, or you're lying. So which
1: one is it? Exactly. I, I think I think my challenging is like you know you have to be like okay great like even if even if they say they're in the meeting I would say hey you know thirty can I thirty sec I've done this before I was like hey thirty seconds you can put me on a on a stop clock and they're like okay and then I did it.
0: That's one of my lines is I like, Hey, look, either, either way, they answer, I'm going to say, Hey, I'm only going to take 30 seconds of your time. So if they tell me they're busy. Great. I'm only going to take 30 seconds of your time. And if you're not busy, great. I'm only going to take 30 seconds of your time. Right. So either way, and then they get to decide, you know, if we keep talking. So, uh, what is the, what, so that's, that's your cold call process. How do you then layer in, uh, Morgan, your emails and your social touches into, into your prospecting process?
1: Yeah, so email-wise, I uh, have a lot of templates that I use. Um, we just found out, you know, we're just targeting marketers, so we try to provide them as much content as possible. So a lot of my emails are just case studies, blogs that I found, adding context around that. So that's how my outreach is. You know, marketers like to click, see the information. I also, kind of like on the phone, I have a uh, beginning paragraph is what I do. is normally, it takes me like five to 10 minutes to make a personalized email. Like the first paragraph is more so like something on, their LinkedIn article that they may have published, Twitter that they published on, and then also third is more so maybe on in their summary they're looking to accelerate pipeline. So in the first paragraph, I talk about those initiatives that they talked about, and I basically bring that on the forefront, and I and I basically have that personalized. The middle is um more so the value of Terminus and how that's going to help help you out with the first initiatives that I talked about. The third paragraph is the ask, and basically you know diving into your position for your needs. So that's how I do it there. I also use Vidyard ViewDit for my personalization. So it's just a tool that utilizes video to talk to that prospect. Um, Yeah, I'm just a really passionate person. So when people see me on video, they just get excited and they want to see a demo. So it works out for me. Um, And then also I use um, LinkedIn and Twitter. So I use a tool called TweetDeck. I don't know if you're familiar with it or the audience is, but it allows me to search different hashtags and I can see it across an entire deck um, of what's going on on Twitter. So I have hashtag ABM, um, hashtag Terminus, hashtag account based marketing, hashtag display advertising, you know, hashtag all, all these things, account based. So basically I can see who's talking about account based marketing, Terminus, what have you. Also competitors, I hashtag them as well or at them so I can see, you know, who's talking about them. So they're obviously talking about account based marketing. Um, and then LinkedIn, I just use, I have LinkedIn sales navigator when I was in SCR and would basically tag accounts so that I could see when they're mentioned in the news and bring out that relevant context to them. So those are the ways I would use social touches and Twitter and all those things. I would use it just for information basis so I could provide ammo to my outreach.
0: I'm sitting here trying to put myself in the shoes of some of the listeners on here, and they're saying, okay, this is great for Morgan, but I don't have that energy
1: level, or or I can't do video, or I can't. What do you What do you say to that? Yeah. I mean, don't, I mean, don't do it. Right. I mean, I would, if you're not good at video, I'm not going to tell you to go do video. Um, I would say you need to find out what you're good at. So if you're good at finding people and creating a good personalized, a LinkedIn email message, like one of my reps is then I tell her, Hey, you know, go after that. You need to double down on LinkedIn email. Don't try to make videos because I made videos and was successful. If you're not good at it, don't do it, right? So I think, hey, look, if you're good at inmail, do that. Or maybe you're really good at, you know, one of my other colleagues is he finds relevant people that are tweeting things, thought leaders, sales leaders, marketing leaders, and he quotes and he quote tweets them. So like whatever they're doing, quote tweet, add his own content to it. And basically that's how he gets in front of prospects. And that's how he provides value. Um, another way is, hey, maybe you have a really big network. And, you know, LinkedIn allows you to go actually on LinkedIn, find the person and ask for referrals for connections. You could do it that way if your connection pool is big. So I think it's you have to figure out what your strengths are and then use that as part of your process. Um, I can't inject my energy into you. Yeah. (laughs) So I can't do that. However, what I can do is figure out what you're really good at and help you double down on that. Like some people are really good at just sounding really good on the phone and persuasion skills and they can sound really soothing. So I'd say, you need to stick with that, and we need to show you the right ways to find information through LinkedIn and Twitter, and just hammer the phones. But I think what I tell people is that, you know, what do you feel like you're the best at? And then basically we need to focus on that, and make that a part of your entire process, and that's how you're gonna schedule the most demos. So it gets back to just focusing on your strengths, right? Yeah, I I think that sometimes we fall into a process that it worked for that person, so it's gonna work for me. I would never tell anyone to do what I do because they're probably not gonna do as good of a job because they may not be as passionate about it or they may just feel like it's overwhelming. I feel like some people see what I do and it's overwhelming to them. They're like, I'm exhausted looking at what you're doing. <laughs> so obviously, you probably don't wanna do what I'm doing. So, you know, and I'm not gonna tell someone to create the Scr Chronicles 2.0. That's not happening either because I don't expect, I don't expect that from people. What I expect for them to do is tell me what their strengths are And basically now it's my job to maximize on those strengths and to make them an all star with their strengths. It's not my job to tell them to do exactly what I did and to be a copies of me because that's not going to work.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. So Morgan, I'm going to move on a little bit. So, you know, as if the SDR role itself wasn't hard enough after you set the appointment with a stranger, you then have to hand it over to an AE that becomes yet another cold touch. How do you handle that transition?
1: I think the biggest thing is um, what I did and when I first started is I always always asked the AE, um, what do you want on your demo? Like, what information do you need? So it kind of was standard across the board. So I always made sure I provided that information. So when I handed off to the AE, like, my brand was good. I think the biggest thing that also SCRs face and they don't realize is that, you know, every single demo you send over, like, that's being surveyed, that's being watched. You know, if you send over bad demos, all the AE teams are going to be like, crap. Like, Jimmy sent this bad, you know, demo today. Like, go figure. Like, he's been sending bad demos for this entire quarter. So now you have a brand of sending bad demos. And so when you get to the AE team, they're probably going to be reluctant to actually help you because you were sending bad demos over. So you got to build that brand because you got to realize that you're going to go on the AE team or you're going to go to leadership. So if you're going on the AE team and you're sending bad demos, how can I trust you as a person, right? That's gonna be very tough. So I think that the biggest thing that I did is I made sure to let the prospect know, hey, you know, I'm gonna hand you over to an account executive, I'm gonna hand you over to a specialist, Um, whatever I would say there to make sure that the the prospect knew I was handing them off to an AE and it wasn't like, hey, you know, glad that we got to talk today, I'm gonna be on the next call, or like I didn't tell them that I was gonna be on the next call so that it's confusing. I think you have to be upfront and transparent with your prospect, letting them know they're going to go to an account executive, and I think you also have to handle your account executive because that's another party you have to answer to. You have to make sure that you're providing them with the right value, the right context, so that that in return, they're more receptive when you send them a demo. So it's just having those, those guidelines and those checks to make sure that you're providing the most value to the AE team. Yeah,
0: this this is gold, Morgan. And I, and I knew it would be. But uh, again, you just you, you are living this brand of just uh, giving great content. So uh, what do you think the, the biggest difference is uh, so far or, or will be as you transition into the role of SDR manager as opposed
1: to just being the SDR? I think the biggest adjustment for me is that I can't do it for everybody. I think that's my biggest thing is I, I always want to fix things. I always want to solve it. I always want to get in there and be like, I'm going to make your 50 calls a day, Like I'm gonna send you emails. But I can't do that for the rep because the rep has to mold it, mold themselves into them. So that's the the challenging thing for me is I always want to be so hands on. I want to be in, like, you know, I'm in the weeds, but I want to be more in the weeds. I want to make the calls. I want to help them as much as possible, you know, because I want to see everyone win. So I think that's the the biggest challenge for me. Um, I think that it's just an adjustment of actually providing value and then stepping back and then letting them process that value. Instead of providing value, doing it for them, and hoping it works, I think that's been the biggest adjustment for me. Yeah, uh,
0: that makes sense. What do you, what do you think is truly the thing that that holds most? um, I'll say salespeople, but but SDRs. What do you think is the thing that holds most SDRs back from being successful?
1: Mindset. Elaborate a little bit. What do you mean by that? Mindset is holding everyone back. It's everyone has this like everyone has the skills to be a great SDR. I don't think there's a lack of resources. There's there's articles, there's videos, there's blogs, there's mentors, there's people out there who will tell you what to do. The biggest thing is the mindset of actually doing that every single day. So, how I process this is your mind. Whatever your mind is at is gonna basically flow through your body. And basically, the mechanics and the actions within that are gonna what you produce and what you execute. So, if every single day you come into work and you're like, man, I, help, I hope I hit quota this month, your actions and your mindset and your actions and your mechanics, are not gonna be aligned with you actually hitting quota. You're always gonna barely hit quota because you actually don't believe that you can hit quota. Or you're like, oh, dang, there's no accounts. Fantastic, you've now put yourself in a hole of thinking there's no accounts, and now guess what, you're gonna look for accounts and you're already gonna believe that you don't have any accounts. So your mechanics and your actions are off. You have the skills, you can be great, but your mindset is completely taking you out of the game. So when you actually believe that you can be great, when you actually believe you can be a good SDR. when you actually believe you can overhit quota, the game changes. Like there was a rep here that was doing okay, and I told him, dude, literally the reason that you're not being great right now is your mindset. If you come in here more positive and you come on the weekend and prospect, I guarantee you're going to be the number one person on this team. He now is the number one person on this team. It's because of his mindset change. That's it. Literally for every single rep, if they want to become great, they need to change their mindset. And I guarantee, if you come and work every single day, saying I'm gonna dominate, I'm unstoppable, your quota is gonna go up. You're 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 gonna over you're gonna hit quota, over hit quota every single time, because your mind is gonna allow you to push boundaries. And I feel like that is the biggest lack, that's the biggest gap for every single SDR is they're not positive enough, and they're actually not in the game. They're just willy nilly showing up to work and hoping things happen.
0: I love it. I love it. I I'm sitting here shaking my head, yes, because I remember. You know, when, I, when I have done the biggest deals in my career, it's when my mindset was at the top, but it was because I was being successful, right? Like I was I was forcing the success and then it was kind of like just recir- uh, recirculating back to the same thing. It's like success breeds success. Powerful, powerful stuff uh, the mind has on us. Morgan, I'm going to take a quick break uh, to thank our sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away and sales sooners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal, so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We are back and it's time for the money round. Morgan, are you ready for the money round? I'm ready. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional?
1: I'm authentic. So what I mean by that kind of dive into it a little bit is that, you know, I'm just real. I am who I am. I don't change. Um, When you meet me in person, I'm the same. I'm on video. I'm the same. Nothing ever changes. And that's been led to my success. And I actually, because I'm authentic and I actually care, that actually amplifies. Like I'm willing to answer any, any, any person's questions. I'm always willing to give advice because, you know, I'm no, I'm not special, more special than anybody else. And I feel like people fall into the trap that they think they're, they've arrived and they're, they're special and they don't have time for people when they themselves were the same person in that audience or that crowd.
0: This might be an odd question for you, but if you were to start over today in sales, <laughs> what would you tell your 22 year old self to spend the next 30 days doing?
1: So my my two my two years ago yeah I yeah <laughs> um, I guess if I would talk to myself two years ago I think it'd be more patient. So I think the biggest thing that I struggle with is actually patience. I've done a lot better job, with them. I'm very patient now. I feel like I am, but I'm I'm very impatient. So you know if someone says I don't want to see a demo right now, I'd be like, no, I'm gonna hammer this post person right now on the phone so that they see it instead of actually being patient, actually understanding a process. So I feel like patience is something I tell my 22-year-old self, "Hey, you need to be more patient, man, cuz like there's a lot there's a lot of time to go and there's a lot of things happening."
0: Morgan, what's something you believe to be true that no one else agrees with you on?
1: <laughs> That's a really good question. The one thing that I believe to be true that no one believes me on is that like you you can change your situation at any point in time. And I think that people fall into this trap in society today that they feel like their situation is their situation. You can't do anything about it. Like that makes me really angry. And even even go deeper on this. Like people blame their their race or they blame their age or they blame their sex on why they can't do something. And people are like, oh, it's just the way it is. And I completely disagree. If you're willing to learn, if you're willing to execute, like those excuses are non-factors. Like, and I'm and I'm just trying to even in myself and what I'm doing right now and in, and basically the journey that I'm on. I'm trying to disprove that every single day to be like, look, age doesn't matter. Sex doesn't matter. Like race doesn't matter. If you execute and you're willing to learn and you're willing to do more than everyone else, then you will be successful. And there's no one else to blame except for yourself because you didn't execute or actually put in the
0: work. Yeah, that that's really good stuff. Two-part question here for you. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? I hate to lose.
1: I absolutely hate to lose. It actually disgusts me. And so, you know, this even goes back to basketball. I'm I'm probably the most aggressive person when it comes to basketball. I hate losing so much that, like, I always had to find ways to win. I'd rather, you know, win and and just never lose because I, I just hate it. Like, if I lose, like, I get so mad. And But the good thing is with that is that I get so mad that I'm willing to ease up and then find solutions to make sure I never lose again. So I think that's my biggest advantage is, like, I hate losing so much that I'm willing to learn so much to make sure that I don't ever lose.
0: There we go. Yeah. There we go. What's a book, Morgan, that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others?
1: The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. It's the best book you'll ever read. It changed my mindset. It, It took me to a whole new level. I didn't even think that was possible. It's just the stuff that you learn and read in that book, you realize that it's like, wow, all this stuff that I'm doing is wrong. And if I switch a couple little things in my life, Everything can change. So me reading that book changed my life when I was 22 years old. And so everything, I, everything my process, my methodology, my mindset just changed, and I'm better for it.
0: Sales tuners, if you'd like to check out Morgan's suggestion of The Law of Success, head on over to salestuners.com slash book, and there you can sign up for a 30-day free trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. Morgan, what's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today?
1: The biggest piece of advice that I have is that you need to stick with it. I think this is a, this is the problem with a lot of people is they get excited for like three days that they came in early and they're like, oh yeah, I came in three days early out of the whole entire year. That's not going to cut it. Every single day I came here for an entire year as an SDR, I showed up at six thirty seven 7 o'clock in the morning and I stayed till 6, 5 o'clock PM every single day, like no matter what. So the thing is that you have to stick with it. You can't get excited about two days where you came in early, you can't get excited because you stayed late one day. Like that doesn't really matter. What matters is the consistent keeping up with it and actually putting the actions with it. And so when you do that, that's when you get the true results. If you don't stick with it, if you're not consistent, then you won't see the results. And again, that's on you because like that's the, that's what you can't control. Control what you can control, stick with it and be consistent.
0: I'm gonna get you out of here on this one. How could someone find you or connect with you after the show if they wanted to?
1: Yeah, so the biggest, the easiest way to connect with me is just Morgan J. Ingram on LinkedIn, at Morgan J. Ingram on Twitter, and then the SDR Chronicles on YouTube. Morgan, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm telling you, this guy's energy and confidence is on another level. Whether you talk to him in person, listen to his words here on the show, or even check out his SDR Chronicles podcast, you can't help but feel it. Let's go ahead and get to my top takeaways. Number one, think big, even if you start small. Anyone who's either lived it before or is living it now knows the truth about being a sales development rep. It's tough. SDRs are pushed hard, work long hours, and go into work every single day knowing they're going to get rejected over and over again. But if you can master the art of opening up new opportunities, your career will open up in ways you may never have imagined. That mental toughness of those who persevere, those who thrive, and those who live to tell the tale are prepared for anything. Number two, understand simple doesn't mean easy. Prospecting is simple, but it's not easy. The tasks of calling, emailing, and connecting on social media, LinkedIn, etc., they're simple on their own. But the actual work and the grind of it all is tough, and it requires endurance. It means not taking no for an answer. Pushing back when you meet resistance, that's hard. But hey, you should never be afraid to challenge the person on the other end. Dig a little deeper. Ask a follow-up question that they can't not answer. Number three, break the pattern. Stop and think for a minute. When is the last time you answered that how are you question honestly? The thought is there, but the question is stale. Instead, break the pattern by asking maybe something like, what did I catch you in the middle of? Whatever it is, when you're making calls, you can't sound like every other salesperson on the planet. Disarm them by coming out of the gate with a strong question, mirroring their tone, and taking the time to have a real conversation. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guests, please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at salestuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list, where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there!